Hi, and welcome to Ticket to Life, and this is Henry. We have a very special guest today. It is Jillian Torres, and Jill, welcome to Ticket to Life. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here, and your podcast is doing so awesome, so I've been waiting for an invite. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, So, Jill, tell us a little bit about yourself so that everyone knows pretty much what we're going to be talking about today. Okay, so um, I am married, have been for five years now. I have two amazing, beautiful daughters, a six-month-old and an almost three-year-old. I taught for five years. I taught kindergarten in first grade until I decided to leave and take my teaching to my own home. And so now I do private tutoring while raising my two girls. Okay, so Jill, what enticed you? What made you decide to go into teaching? Okay, so it's probably not the the normal answer that I think most people hear of, you know, okay, I graduated, I've always wanted to be a teacher, I just love kids, and of course I do love kids. I don't think you can be a teacher without loving kids, but I didn't immediately think about teaching as a profession until probably my second year of college. I graduated high school and knew I wanted to find a career that I could feel like I was helping the world, feel like I was making the world like a better place. Um, Where could I bring good? And so I, I, you know, dabbled in a few different majors, which thank God for college where you can you know, change. (laughs) Um, And then I decided to, uh, one day I was just walking on campus and it occurred to me teaching. That's literally the base of how the world goes, right? I mean, kids become adults and adults can make such an impact. I mean, so can kids, but um, anyway, so that's kind of how it happened. Okay. Was it everything you dreamed of that very first week of school? Was it just like apples were on your desk and kids were just like, I love you, teacher. And you know what everyone thinks the first year, the first week of school is all about. Was it everything that we as an individual that are not educators think it was supposed to be? No. (laughs) Um, Not my first week, not my first month, not my first year. Um, It took a while to get comfortable and confident and um, kind of just grow because I think that even as um, teachers, we go in and this is the year, you know, like this is the first, I'm a first timer and it's going to be great. And it's so hard. It really, really is. And the one thing that is true, though, that you said is how much those kids love you. And I do love you. I love you. And that that makes it. Um, but yeah, so no, it, it definitely was not. It had major challenges, major learning um, that you think that you learn it all in college and you do not. <laughs> um So no, it wasn't. Okay. So when did you finally get comfortable with being in the classroom 
And what was the best part of being in the classroom? So the best part of being in the classroom was, well, there's, there's a lot. So I love watching kids grow. I love knowing that I was able to take a child that came in not knowing how to read. And by the time they left my room, they were above level or at level or even just way higher than the, what they started, that growth. Um, I, I think that teaching reading is just literally my passion when it, that I developed over time. Um, and just teaching in general, seeing that growth of that light bulb come on. Um, but I have to say my favorite thing is the relationship that I was able to, to grow with these kids to, you know, this is before I had my own. And I would tell the parents that these kids, I love them as if they were my own. And I always wanted them to know that my classroom was a safe place, that it was a happy place. It was a place where you could uh, tell me anything or be anything and, and you were always accepted. Well, that, that's good to know. So how were, I know this is kind of difficult because we're all individuals, but how were parents? Did you get that parent connection or did you have that parent that kind of brown-nosed you to be your best friend and make sure their, their kid was like on top of everything above everyone else and then they really weren't? <laughs> Uh, so this, um, hmm, parents. Okay. So <laughs> the parents are harder than the kids. Uh, so yes, I've had the brown nosing parents. Uh, not, not too many of them. Be it, uh, I definitely have the parents that I knew I could call and, you know, just tell them like, Hey, listen, like your kid is doing this and, you know, we could discuss things, um, positively and work together as a team to help them in any way, shape or form. And, um, I also had the parents that the only thing I knew about them were their names because it was listed on, uh, the kid's record and never heard anything from them, could never get a hold of them, never met them. They never reached out in any way. Um, and I think that that's where as teachers, we step in for that role. Obviously we can't replace a parent, but you can be that person that's always there for them. Did you feel as though some of those kids relied on you more as a parental guidance or a friend or just you were just a teacher? You just went in and they did what they were supposed to and left. Did you have any bonds with some of these kids? And still, I know it's been a while since you've been since you've been teaching. Do you still have some um, relationships with these kids as they grow or their families? Yeah, so um, I do actually only a few, and the thing is, is it was really cool because whenever I left, I was able to tell everyone that I am starting private tutoring, and um, I actually had quite a few kids follow me to private tutoring, and they'd drive out to where I live, and I would was able to continue um, working with them. Um, so also, I do have other students who. I just became close with their parents in general. They were awesome. And we, you know, I'm nobody that like I call every day or anything. Like but supportive of what you were doing. 
Yeah, supportive and honestly, just their personalities. We just were like, man, like you have made a really good friend. <laughs> like, so, um, yeah, we still keep in touch or we'll send photos like, you know, of where the kids are now and, you know, my girls and whatnot. Um, what was the other question? That definitely would rely on me outside of academics to be that person for them, the one that would root them on and tell them it's okay to to fail and get back up and try again and you know here's here's some food if you need food and so yeah definitely had had quite a few of those kids so did you have kids coming in that were hungry is that why you're bringing up the food thing um and they just hadn't like they didn't have time to eat or would they confide in you I don't want to get too deep, but confiding in like, I haven't eaten since yesterday at lunch because I do know that there is um, some problems at homes where kids don't eat because of financial difficulties. So did you ever have that kind of situation and did you provide for them or what happened? Yeah, so there's definitely kids where you can just, the way that they eat, you can tell that they have not eaten. And I think, you know, thinking about if you've gone a day without food and then you all of a sudden it's in front of you, you kind of chow down versus, you know, eating slower. Um, so yeah, there's, I think by the first grade, a lot of kids are embarrassed. So they don't quite come and say, I didn't eat because other kids might say something. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I had kids that it wasn't because they just missed breakfast. They, Mm. Did you provide stuff for them? Oh, yeah. they. I would go to the grocery store. I had a drawer, and they would come in before school, um, and they would get food and then bring their siblings who weren't in my class, and they'd come in, and they'd take food to one another, and it's, it's yeah, it's sad, but it was, you know, to be able to do that for them and know that the way that they were treated was not normal. And to see that someone out there does care for them was just, again, that just makes it so important. Yeah, I, I really think that a lot of people don't see the blessings of teachers. And even though you're not in the school now, I, I think it might even be more difficult than when you were teaching because of the pandemic. I think things have really changed that up for teachers. I think it's a sad situation because you telling me this, this is stuff that I don't think the general public even thinks about that, that kids are going to school hungry, that they're, you know, maybe clothing. And I think that it's very important to have that out there. So people do know it's not an easy job being an educator. It seems like if that was ha happening like five years ago, six years ago, can you imagine what it's like now and what kids are going through? So I'm really thinking that I, people really need to thank educators because without them, you wouldn't be able to listen to this podcast. You wouldn't be able to read. Just the simple things that have gotten you through life, we need to think of those who are in education. Now, Jill, the other thing I do have to ask is what you saw once you were a teacher, did you ever even imagine that it was like this when you were a student? Because did you have any idea what teachers did or went through or saw or had to do? So I, no, and I'm going to go ahead and 
cha- kind of change my answer for that for the question and then I'll also answer okay. but um as a student growing up I think it put in a lot of clarity as to why certain kids peers were the way that they were um you know the you think more about the home life you think more about now that um so much more awareness for autism um I think back and I'm it's so much more understanding for certain kids that I grew up with. And from the teacher perspective, luckily I was blessed with so many good teachers that, um, in elementary school, I'll go ahead and throw that in there. (laughs) In elementary school, I had great teachers and, uh, they, they made it seem so effortless and easy and fun. And, um, I will say, I think the challenge of teaching has always been there, but I think the challenges have changed a lot. I think the expectations have changed a lot. I think the um, what you're able to do in the classroom to make it that fun environment has changed a lot. Yes, you can still have fun, um, but there's so much reliance on test. And I'm not just talking about state test. I'm talking about district test. I'm talking about how what I think it was like every six weeks, we'd have to sit our kids down and give them a intense little test. And we had to do it in small groups. And at one year I had 28 kids and having to individually give this test to 28 kids during the day, it was from bell to bell. It was insane. And it's just the testing. That's, that's all teaching is now. Okay, Jill, one more question. And the question is, what made you decide to leave teaching from the school? I know you're tutoring, but from an actual school. So um, this question is a really big one for me. I, again, it it all goes back to the requirements and the um, testing and just the data and just things that are expected out of teachers. It's not that, oh, it was too hard. It was, I could not show up every day teaching in a way that I didn't agree with, doing things I didn't agree with, and being able to feel okay with myself. I mean, I would give these tests and these kids would be crying. And um, not every kid, not all the time, but I think that seeing that showed me that what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And I, my main thing is to teach, right? To watch them grow. And then to be told you have to teach, you know, addition 5,000 different ways. You can't just do addition. You can't just draw a picture. You have to teach it this way, this way, this way, this way. They have to learn it each way. And then they're going to have to be graded on the ways that they don't even like to do it. And if they fail, then they need to understand how to add by doing all these weird things. Like it's, I don't agree with it. I agree with a child learning in the way that they learn best. And as a teacher, we're able to recognize that. You should be able to recognize which kid needs to draw a picture, which one can do it in their head, and which ones need tally marks, needs to use their fingers, which ones need to use a part, part, whole, and all sorts of different things and demanding that each child understand each concept to me is ridiculous and it goes against everything that you're taught you know um 
It's, you know, make sure that they're having fun while they're doing it and keep their engagement. And, you know, they're all going to learn. Every child learns differently. So make sure you're teaching it differently. But yet they all have to do it this way. It's <laughs> ridiculous. And, oh, and by the way, like, they're going to be tested on that way. And if they fail, then we're going to come and talk to you we we know that they missed all of kindergarten and they showed up and they're failing first grade but why are they failing what are you as a teacher doing wrong like i i just can't stand behind it it's ridiculous so that was one of the main reasons you did leave from teaching other than wanting to be a stay at home mom that is the the reason i left teaching it kind of got left a sour taste in your mouth <laughs> Yeah, just, and it, it it's not teachers, and I hear all the time from my kids who come for tutoring, their parents, this teacher requires this and that, and I have to remind them, it's not the teacher. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, don't forget, folks, we are in Texas, and all different um, educational, I guess, teachings, curriculum is different in each state, so that is here in Texas, um, because we were both born here, and we were both went to school here. So, um, and I guess and one more last question. Tell me a, a success story with your kids in, in school. Okay. So I, I have a few, <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and think of my very first one where it really showed me like this was meant for me. And I'm so glad that God put it in my mind to become a teacher because it's amazing. This feeling that you get is, I had a student that came in and not like did not know one letter of the alphabet, which means if they don't know one letter, they don't know one sound of the alphabet, which was that in first grade or kindergarten? Or? Well, this was in kindergarten. And, uh, you know, you get a lot of kids that don't know these these things when they come into kindergarten because parents say, oh, well, that's what they learn in kindergarten. Well, they do, but it's kind of fast paced. And. Um, as far as that goes, I feel, um, for kids who don't know anything as far as letters anyways. And by the time, luckily I actually got to move up to first grade with these, the same group. Um, excuse me. by the time that she made it to first grade, she was ahead of level. She could write like the best of them. And <laughs> she just, it, it was incredible. Um, if you had asked me in the middle of that year, is she on track? She was not. And when I say she didn't know any of these letters, she didn't know any of these letters, not just on the first day. She didn't know any of these letters by like December. Like, <laughs> but patience, we worked together. We worked hard. We, you know, I think the biggest thing and what I hear from parents a lot even now is it's not the rigorous of work, work, work. It's that confidence. Like, I know you can do it. And a lot of times, just giving them that confidence while you're practicing can just be such a game changer. So I think that's, that's one of the stories. Okay. Well, all I can say is thank you so much for giving us your perspective as a teacher in the classroom and outside of the classroom. I think that educators do not get enough kudos. They don't get enough of being thankful or they are thankful, but parents aren't thankful enough. Mm -hmm. They work so hard and it's like 
it doesn't end when the kids go home, does it? No, it is not. It it's, it's the bells ring at what seven and three. I don't know, but yeah, that that's just when the bells ring. Yeah, you're there early and you're there late and you're there bringing it home just so that you can be in the comfort of your home. And then you have kids that you can't go to sleep at night because you're thinking about them and it, it doesn't end. Well, again, thank you to all the educators, all of those who have made each and every day possible for our children. I can't even give them more thanks and praise than what they deserve. So if you have a child in school, please make sure to thank their teacher. If you want, buy them a gift and not an apple for gosh sakes. This is Henry, and thanks for listening to, oh, I forgot one most important thing about Jill Torres. Jillian Torres is my daughter. I am. (laughs) And she is my first guest, and I think she's probably the best guest I'll ever have. (laughs) We are very close by the grace of God. Um, There's nothing like having a daughter. We'll have a podcast then I But then I do have a son, too. There's nothing like having a son. Can't leave my son out either. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Until next time, go find your blessings. You know it's in the classroom.